Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Qalam is an organization that is dedicated to making Islamic knowledge accessible to everyone. Alhamdulillah, Qalam has been able to serve so many people all across the world in so many ways. And now, Qalam has the opportunity and the ability to take its work to the next level. Qalam now has the ability to expand its offerings to people all across the world in so many different ways. Qalam is acquiring a campus, a home, where we can continue to do the work that we do and in fact increase what we do. But we need your help, we need your support to make that dream a reality. Go to qalamcampus.com and donate generously. Every single person listening to this podcast benefiting from Qalam, I need you to go there and donate and share that link far and wide and let's all of us come together, invest into our sadaqah jariyah and take this work to the next level. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Now enjoy the podcast. Bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbak wa hubba amalan yuqarribuna ila hubbak ya rabbil alameen. Ya Allah, we ask you to make whatever we learn beneficial for us, a means of getting closer to you, a means of knowing you better, a means of acting on the sunnah of your Prophet even better, Ya, ya Arhamar Rahimin. All right, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah. We're continuing with our next session of Imam Muhasibi's uh, Risalat al Mustar Shideen. And as we know, Imam Muhasibi, he's giving us just as a classical writer, he's giving us these different uh, gems of knowledge for us to reflect upon. And I think one of the things that has um, become clear by studying it is that um, the way of our Islamic scholars is something that regardless of how long ago they, they wrote, our spiritual well-being, uh, it still speaks to us today. It still speaks to us today. So many gems from what we learn are so beneficial for us. Um, and so I'm going to continue from where we left off um, last week, inshallah ta'ala. Okay, his next advice for us, he says, Bismillah. He says, His first advice, actually two advices, he says, I don't know of anything that will be better to get rid of waswas or whispers. Waswas is what we refer to as the whispers of shaitan. Right, the one who whispers, um, and so waswas is something that can get in the way of all of our worship. It bothers us throughout the day. We keep hearing these things inside, inside, over and over again. And a lot of times, it's about understanding where that comes from, so that you can fight it. So one of the things he says, and again, I spoke about this last week. It's about understanding the ideology of our spiritual well-being, so that we can. Uh, take possession or ownership over our spiritual well-being. So he says, I don't know of anything that is better to remove waswas, to remove those whispers, than to get rid of all of the extra things that you have in life. Now, this is a very interesting concept from the sunnah. The sunnah is not about having less than necessity, but when we study the sunnah, what we find is the Prophet always asked Allah for what's enough. Enough. So he made a dua, Allahumma ja'al rizqa Ali Muhammad quta. 
Oh Allah, make the sustenance of my family qut. Now the word qut is interesting because qut means just enough for today, day and night. That's it. Just enough for today. And so I, I think what's beautiful about this is if you look, if you, again, if we look on YouTube, you'll see all of these videos about how really successful people only wear one set of clothes, right? Or they eat the same thing every day, right? They take all of the choice out so that their mental well-being can focus on things that really matter in life. They're not making silly, they're not using their mental power, energies, that mental bandwidth for all of these small decisions. The, the bigger decisions are what they're using them, their, their mind for. The smaller decisions, they've removed those. So he uses the word tarkul fudul. What does fudul mean? Fudul in Arabic is referring to everything that's just excess. Just too much of things, extra. I have so many extra things around the house and around in our lives and all over the place. He says that one of the things that will really help us get rid of the waswas or the whispers that come inside from shaitan is to get rid of a lot of the extra things in life. And have what you need. Have what you need. And I think now if you just look at some of the things that are really um, the new trends is to just have a, a minimalist style of life. Right? And this is something that's definitely from the sunnah. Uh, the Prophet ﷺ definitely encouraged just having enough. Having enough. The next advice he says, وَلَا أَنْوَرْ لِلْقَلْبِ مِنْ سَلَامَةِ sadr." This is a beautiful advice. We talk about nur. Nur means light. Light, right? So this divine light that comes um, and, and is a guidance for us. So he says, I don't find anything that will give your heart more light than having a clean, a clean heart. Salamat as Now, salamat as is actually a phrase. So let me break it down. Salamat as it literally translates as a peaceful chest. That's how you translate it. But that's not what it means. What it means is that when you go to sleep, you go to sleep and you have no ill feeling, feelings towards anyone in this world. You go to sleep and everyone's book in your mind has been either cleared or you've cleared it. Everyone is at sifr, at zero. You're good. You go to sleep with a clean heart. And there's a really, really strong, powerful narration. I can't remember the Sahabi. I'm sure one of the, someone will give me a look in my hair. But there's, a, there's one companion. Um, and I'll go into it because it's really worth it. So the Prophet ﷺ is sitting in the masjid, just like this. He's sitting and there's a group of Sahaba around him. And he stops the halaka and he goes, the, the next guy that walks in that door is a person from Jannah. And everybody's like, right? And this person walks in. And I'm sure that guy was like, why are everybody looking at me? Like, what's going on? So everyone kept going with everything. Day was fine. The next day, they're sitting together. They're in a halakha again. And the prophet's teaching. And all of a sudden, he stops. He goes, listen, the next person that walks in that door is a person of Jannah. Everybody's like, right? Lo and behold, it's the same person from yesterday. Yeah, we don't know his name. And subhanAllah, till today, in the narrations, it says a man from the Ansar. Like they kept his identity hidden. So then he goes, third day comes around, the Prophet is sitting, same thing, and guess what? Lo and behold, the Prophet stops all of a sudden. And he's like, the next person walking in. Now, first of all, it's a miracle because how did the Prophet know who's walking in next? Second of all, third, second of all, it's the same person. All of these things clearly show the Prophet who he is, right? But then one of the Sahaba, Sahaba were always like, I got to learn. I need to know more. 
I need to know what's up with this person. How did he get this level that he's a person of paradise walking on earth? And the prophet called him out in front of everyone. How did he get to this level? So there's this one really smart young man, uh, Abdullah bin Amr bin As, radiallahu ta'ala, and Abdullah bin Amr. He goes, he goes to that guy's house, he knocks at the door. He goes, uh, Ya Ammi, right? Um, I had a fight with my uncle, my, my father. Can I, can I just stay at your house for a day or two? I mean, Sahaba, yeah, he's like, all right, cool, I got an extra space here. Yo, you can sleep right there, no problem, come on in. And he let him stay. So he stays there one day, two days, three days. He stays there. And what he says is, I didn't see anything extra. I didn't see anything like out of the ordinary. Whatever the normal companions did, which for us would be amazing, right? But for their level, it was status quo. He didn't see anything super extra. In fact, there's two narrations. One of them says that he didn't wake up for tahajjud and he only woke up for fajr, which for the sahaba would have been like, oh my God, you didn't wake up for tahajjud, right? Uh, tahajjud is the night prayer in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., 3 a.m., waking up. So finally, three days pass, and he goes, Ami, I have to tell you the truth. I have to tell you the truth, Ami. I didn't have a fight with my, my father, but this is what went down. The Prophet said such and such and such and such, and I had to know what it is that you do. What it is, what do you do? What was so special? And he's like, you saw what it is. Like, I am what you see. Everything you see, this is how I live my life. So uh, Abdullah bin Amr, he's about to turn around and leave. And then he's like, oh, wait, there is something that you didn't see me do. There is one last thing you didn't see me do. He's like, what is it? He's like, I never go to sleep except that my heart is clean from any ill will or ill feelings towards any human being on this planet. Whoever I had beef with throughout the day, my aunts, my uncles, whatever, somebody in the, the trolls on Twitter or whatever, <laughs> I ain't got no ill feelings for none of them. I'm, I'm clean when I go to sleep. I'm clean when I go to sleep. And I, I think it was uh, Ahmed bin Humble, radiallahu ta'ala, I'm sorry to digress, but just to understand this concept of a clean heart, how far it went. I'm, I'm going to actually tell you a story about something that actually happened in my life. I have a close friend who I studied with, okay? I studied with this man. Um, and he's imam. Some of y'all actually know him because you, you're from Florida. This imam, he graduated before me, okay? So he was out in the community, serving the community. I was still a student. So right when I was graduating, there was this time where, like, there was this heavy, like, the FBI was, like, cracking down on anyone Muslim, any connections back home, whatever. So this imam... He had sent money to a school in Pakistan, and he got flagged, whatever. He got arrested. His father, who was like, how old was that? Like 89. Elderly father. I'm talking elderly. He got arrested, and his brother got arrested. This friend of mine was put in jail for five years, six years? Five years, and the majority of it, solitary confinement. Drive a man insane. At the end... They're like, yeah, you didn't do anything, you could go. At the end, you didn't do anything, you could go. Now, another Muslim brother who happened to be a lawyer was like, yo, we got them, right? He's like, we got them. The moment he came out, the lawyer tells me, he goes, I went to him and I was like, yo, let's go after him. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm good, yo. I'm good. He's like, well, well, hold, what you talking about? He's like, yeah, my heart's clean. I, I, 
I don't have any ill. I'm all right. Do you guys understand like the level of like internalization that happened there? Five years solitary confinement, he comes out and the lawyers are like, yo, we got lawsuit. You about to be paid. He's like, no, I'm cool. Let it go. And the lawyer was like, yo, bro, like, yo. <laughs> but he's like, no, my heart's clean. I'm good. I'm, I'm all right. I'm fine. And I've never seen a man like that. And to know this man myself and people who know, he's an imam right now in Florida. Like, he's like, I'm good. His father, I think, passed away in prison. in prison from this same incident. His father passed away in prison because of this, at the end of which they were like, just go. But that's the sunnah of like Yusuf, right? Go ahead. That's the sunnah of the Prophet, in Mecca, go ahead. Why am I bringing this up? Because it's this concept of when ill is done to us, the forgiving of people is not to say I'm okay with injustice. The forgiving is so that my heart can shine and be clean because I'm the one that has to go to sleep every night. So I'm gonna come back to this Sahaba, Amr bin, uh, Abdullah bin Amr. Abdullah bin Amr, remember the first story we started with? He called him back, he's like, no, there is one thing that I do that you may not have seen me do. He's like, what is it? He's like, every night that I go to sleep, I make sure that my heart is clean from any ill feelings towards any Muslim, anyone I met throughout the day. And then Abdullah bin Amr goes, that's it, yo. What do you mean, that's it? What does he mean, that's it? What does he mean? That's what got you Jannah. He's like, that's it. And then he says something deep. He says, and that's the thing most of us can't do. That's the thing most of us can't do. We can't just let go. So remember, I'm going to go to the next one, but he says the thing, The thing that will bring you the most nur and light to your heart is for you to have what's called salamatis sadr. In an Arabic, it's a term. What does it mean? It means a heart that has let go. Let go. It's let go. I don't forgive you because I'm okay with the injustice. I forgive you because my heart needs to let go. Ahmed bin Hanbal. This was a story I was going to tell you until I remembered my friend, the Imam. Ahmed bin Hanbal was whipped during the Inquisition, the Mihna. And they, they asked him, what was your heart saying every time you got whipped? He's like, every time a whip would hit me, I would automatically in my mind forgive the king. Because in my mind I said, I don't want the prophet to be upset with me that I held a grudge against anyone from his community on the day of judgment. Like, guys, this is a whole nother level of, of forgiveness. And I understand a lot of us, we go through trauma, we go through difficulties, and there's this thing where it's like, Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil, see you on the day of judgment, yo. Allah's gonna handle you, yo. Just waiting, waiting. But low key, like the scholars, they say, if you knew the reality of Jahannam, you wouldn't want it for your worst enemy. You wouldn't want it for your worst enemy. And again, I'll say it last time, this, the forgiveness is for your heart. That's what we're focusing on. In fact, Imam Noah says, if you forgive someone for backbiting, you don't even have to tell them you forgive them. Because if you tell them, then they got to get out of jail free card. They're like, oh, she's easy. I could backbite her. I could hit her up. Yo, you forgive me? She's like, yeah, I forgive you. You good. So that can actually make someone bold to backbite you, do wrong to you. Oh, she's, she'll forgive easily. So Imam Noawi, and it's in Abqad, Imam Noawi says clearly, it is totally fine for you to outwardly be like, nah, 
I haven't forgiven you yet. So that person learns from it like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Uh, in your heart, you've already actually let it go in your heart. But just to let that person be on guard and not become more audacious in their actions against you, you tell them, no, uh-uh. So he says here, Wala anwar. Wala anwar lil He's like, there is nothing more um, that will bring more light to the heart than you having a clean chest, a clean heart towards all of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His next advice, next advice. And this one's a heavy one. Listen closely to this one. I think this one's going to hit a lot of us pretty deeply. He says, Wa'alam, know and understand. Wa'alam, know and understand. Anna muhabbat al-ghina ma'iqtiyari Allahi li'abdihi al-faqra tasakhatun wa muhabbat al-faqri ma'iqtiyari Allahi li'abdihi al-ghina jawrun wa kullu thalika harbun min al-shukri li'qillati al-ma'rifa wa tadhi'un lil-awqati min qisari al-ilmi This is a heavy one. He says, know and understand that you're loving to be wealthy when God has chosen for his servant poverty is nothing but anger. And I'm going to explain anger in a minute. And your loving poverty, although God has chosen for you richness, is oppression. And all of that is running away from gratitude. Okay, we got to break this down. There's a hadith of the Prophet it's so interesting where to start. Let's first break it down. What he's saying is, muhabbat al-ghina. You love wealth. You love to be rich. Right? When in fact, Allah has chosen something different for you. Now we'll get to the fact, how do I know what God chose for me? But leave that for now. You are loving wealth in spite of the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for you faqr. He says this is tasakhatun. Tasakhat in Arabic means, sakhat means anger. It's frustration, it's anger. Now what does it mean it's anger? Well, it's a two-way street. Anger from Allah, but also anger and frustration from yourself. Why? Because you're constantly fighting against Allah's will. Constantly fighting against, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want that. Instead of what does Allah want for me, want for me, want for me, want for me. But it's a two-way street. Look at the other side. He says, وَمُحَبَّةَ الْفَقْرِ and you loving poverty even though God has chosen wealth for you. Some of y'all got dough. But you walk around all like sad like, oh, oh my God. God made me rich. God made me rich. Oh, give it all away. Give it all away. You know what I thought about for me? To me, let me, let me connect this for you. To me. And I keep calling on my, she's here. You know my mom's here, right? So she knows what I'm saying is true. Check this out. I grew up in a middle class, right? She did everything she could to make sure that we was chilling. You feel me? Like a lot of our parents in this room, right? Even if it was hard making ends meet, like middle class, went to a private prep school and everything. We couldn't even afford it. I'm walking around, I'm walking with the Joneses, can't even afford to be with the Joneses, like, but I'm here. Y'all get me or what? Okay, all right, cool, <laughs> okay. So, so we living at this level, all right? We're trying to. Uh, we living at this level. But she knows when I'm 17, 18, guess where you would find me at? In the hood. In the hood. Amongst, the, um, um, amongst 
amongst people I shouldn't have been. Really low, 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 low class, low, uh, low, low financial, low everything, low lifestyle, everything. This connected to me because God gave me a position, but I kept trying to be. It's like the Prince and the Piper. What's it called? My wife should be knowing these nurses. Prince and the what is it? What is it? Popper. Thank you. Thank you. Popper, Piper. Yeah, feel me. Like what happens is whatever Allah gives us. And she used to say this to me. I used to, I remember she used to say like sometimes I would sleep on the floor and she would say, she would be like, if you had to sleep on the floor, you wouldn't want to sleep on the floor. Y'all moms probably said the same thing, right? Right? If you had to sleep on the floor, you wouldn't sleep on the floor. So here I am, got my own car at 17. You have good money, good clothes, this and that, good school. But you find me in the worst neighborhood because I, I want to be in that class. I want to be amongst those people. But Allah had put me somewhere else. And all those people looking at me like, yo, you crazy. Why are you around here? You around here. Like, I wouldn't even be here if I had what you had. Why am I saying this? I want you to connect to this. What he's saying is your loving wealth, in, in spite of the fact that Allah has chosen for you poverty, will cause you to be angry with God and God to be angry with you. And vice versa, your loving poverty. And for me, loving poverty meant finding me in the hood where I shouldn't have been. And your loving poverty, ikhtiyari, in, in spite of the fact that God has chosen for you a certain level of wealth. And I think a lot of y'all can internalize this to your own situation. This is oppression. You're doing yourself wrong. He says, All of that, that we just explained, loving wealth. In, in fact, when Allah has chosen for you a certain level of wealth, and loving poverty, when in fact Allah has chosen for you a certain level of wealth, all of that is running away from one thing. Shukr. What is shukr? Gratitude. What you should have been doing, what I should have been doing, is being grateful for the level that my mom had provided for me. What I should have been doing is being grateful for the level of wealth that God had provided me, whether it be here or there. And I'm going to explain how running from poverty to be rich is, is, is running from shukr, but also running from wealth to, to poverty. Both of those are lack of gratitude. How so? We'll look at it in a minute. وَكُلُّ ذَلِكَ harabun, harabun, harab, like running. مِنَ الشُّكْرِ وَقِلَّةِ الْمَعْرِفَةِ And it shows, and this is what this class is all about, it shows a lack of depth in your understanding of Allah. How so? Here's a hadith. Listen to this. There's a narration that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, said. Now this is called a hadith qudsi. Bear with me before I say the narration so you can learn a little bit about this technical-like term. So, Whenever the Prophet Sallallahu just tells us something, that's just a hadith. Where he's like, All your actions are based on intention. That's a hadith, right? But then there's also called something called hadith qudsi. Hadith qudsi is where the Prophet goes, Allah says, right? It's not Quran, but he, he, Gabriel inspires him to say something. And he says, God says something. That's called hadith qudsi. So in a hadith qudsi, the Prophet Sallallahu he said that Allah says, listen closely, Inna min ibadi. There are some of my servants. Their faith will be straight except if they're poor. 
agnaytuhu. And if I made them wealthy, la'afsadduhu dharika. This wealth would throw this person completely off the track of faith. وَإِنَّ مِنْ عِبَادِي And there are some of my servants مَنْ لَا يُسْلِي إِمَانُهُ إِلَّا الْغِنَى That their faith will only be good if they have wealth. And if I made them poor, it would completely corrupt them. It would completely corrupt them. The reason why this hadith is so deep because what this hadith is telling us is that perhaps you love something but it's the worst thing for you. Perhaps you love something, but it's the worst thing for you. You're looking at somebody else who's loaded and you're like, Ya Allah, why can't I have that? And this hadith is saying, if I gave that to you, you'd lose something more important. And what's more important than wealth? Iman, faith in Allah. So the fact that you're at that, and in some people it's wealth. Allah's like, yo, this person, if, I, if they were poor, if they were poor, I was... Uh, I was in Damascus in a taxi, okay? This was before everything went crazy in Damascus, okay? Um, in Damascus, in a taxi. It's Maghrib time, okay? I'm a new convert. I'm thinking from this new, like, romanticized perspective of the Muslim world, right? So we're driving, and it's Maghrib time. So you can hear the adhan in the entire city. But the khabaz had just opened, where they make khubs, the bakery. And there's like throngs of people like, like fighting over bread. Now, forgive what I'm about to say that I said I was brand new in Islam. I say to the taxi driver, don't they know it's time for prayer? Okay. And these people are trying to get bread. Okay. I was new, guys. I was new. Okay. And he said, this taxi driver nonchalantly says the most profound hadith. He says, Kad al faqr anyakuna kufr. It's a hadith. Kad al faqr anyakuna kufr. Faqr, poverty, can lead to disbelief. Now, not for everyone, for some people. For some people, poverty can lead them to the point where they don't even believe in Allah anymore. So he said this hadith just off the cuff, and I was just like, oh, okay. Taxi driver taught me my dars for today. <laughs> he taught me my dars. All right, cool. That's enough for today. But the, the point being is whether Allah has blessed you with wealth. Some of us feel guilty about the wealth Allah has given us. Stop. Why are you feeling guilty about God's blessing? Stop feeling guilty. That's a blessing from Allah. All you got to do is do shukr. And give me some. It's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. The, the laugh took a minute there. It was like, nah, for real, for real. All, like all, the only responsibility is to be grateful. That's all it comes down to is to be grateful. And then the other side of us who, uh, those of us who are struggling financially, be grateful, man. If Allah had given you all that wealth, who knows where you would be? Would you be in the masjid? Maybe not. Maybe not. But to me, this hadith speaks volumes, man. This hadith speaks. And, and now there's a hadith, I'm going to tell you. Now some say this hadith is weak, but the sonnet, this chain is good. Tha'laba. Tha'laba. I've told it to you, but it was like a year ago, so it's all good. Tha'laba was a companion of the Prophet. Companion. Tha'laba says to the Prophet, now, y'all know, if you had the Prophet living with you, who answers du'as, makes du'as on the spot, you know you would just go to the masjid and be like, <laughs> 
Throw one up for me. You know what I mean? I'm your man. Hook me up. So Thalaba goes, okay. He goes to the Prophet He says, Ya Rasulullah, things are tight. Make dua that Allah give me wealth. The Prophet wanted to teach him this lesson we're learning today. He said, maybe it's not good for you. He's like, all right, cool. He left. Comes back the next day. This is in Hayat al-Sahaba, Thalaba. Next day, a few days later, he comes back. It's a, before I go deeper, hold on. He was known as Hamamatul Masjid. Hamama. You know what a Hamama is? Pigeon. And they call like, like pigeons are always in the masjid, I guess, in Arab countries and stuff. So they call him Hamamatul Masjid. Like he was always in the masjid. You just come and he's always there. So the next week he asked the Prophet, وسلم, Ya Rasulullah, things are tight. Can you make dua that Allah give me wealth? The Prophet was like, ah, maybe it's not good for you. Maybe it's not good for you. He's like, all right, cool. He comes back a little later. Ya Rasulullah, I know you told me twice, three times a charm. Ya Rasulullah, make dua. Okay, you asked me three times, I'm going to make the dua. The Prophet made dua for him. He got like two or three goats. The goats started to multiply. There's an extra little barakah. And he had to move just a little bit outside away from the masjid. Just a little bit away from the masjid. So he couldn't come to the Prophet's masjid as much because he was further away. But then those goats started to multiply. Neighbors complaining like, yo, get your goats, man. <laughs> so he had to move outside of the city. And before you know it, the goats multiply until he has a valley of goats. But where are you going? You can't, city, city's got you know, you know, guidelines and stuff. He had to move outside of the city because he has so many goats. And they would only see him on Jummah. They would only see him on Jummah. The narration says that finally the Prophet sent someone to him to collect, to collect zakat. To collect zakat. And he goes, I, ain't got, I, don't, I don't have it today. I got a lot of responsibilities. Now, why did I bring this narration up? It's a clear, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful example of what we're talking about. Now, here's the hard part. Because everyone will come up to me right after and be like, yo, Shay, but what about this? We don't know what's written for us. None of us knows. So this goes back to what we said last week. And this is a beautiful thing that Islam teaches. You try your hardest. You fight your best to go for what you think you, you want. What you think is good for you, you make istikhara, you make dua, and you go after it, you go after it, you go after it hard. But here's the beautiful part of the mu'min. Why, why doesn't our heart break when we fail? The reason our hearts should not break is because of a key word that we say. And we say it all the time. But we say it as just a... Inshallah. 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 You know what we should do? For one week, homework for everybody. Say inshallah in English. You feel me? Say inshallah in English. Don't say it in Arabic. Because it just, it's adi, adi. It's just like, inshallah, inshallah, inshallah. It has no meaning anymore. Say it in English, God willing. I told my mom, God willing. She's like, you all right? I was like, yeah, mom, we just say that. Like, because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. She said, okay, we love you. <laughs> I was like, yo, I'm good, bro, I'm good. No, inshallah, no, inshallah is so heavy.
but we say it so much, it's just adi, it doesn't really affect us. So if you're going after that job, right? Going after that job and the interview is coming up on Thursday, right? Subhanallah. You got to say, inshallah, I'm going to get this job. Inshallah, I'm going to get paid. And inshallah, I'm going to help the community when I'm paid. I'm going to help so many people, inshallah. But that inshallah has to come from a deep place, which truly means if God knows that this is good for me, I want it. If God doesn't think this is good for me, I don't even want it. That's the meaning of inshallah. But you switch it to English, I'm telling you. It will hit you so different when you switch it to English. Just for a bit. Just for a bit. So the point here is, he says, I'm going to come back to the book now. Loving wealth. That's the key. It goes back to what we spoke about weeks ago, where it's about love of something. I seek out wealth. I seek out that job. I'm going after it. But is my love there? No. Why? Because of one verse of the Quran. Please write this down in your notes or somewhere. Perhaps you love a thing and it is bad for you. And perhaps you hate a thing and it is good for you. Wallahi, this is the hadith that checks me so much throughout the day. Because you get frustrated, man, why isn't it working out my way? And it's like, God's like, I told you. Perhaps you love something and it's not good for you. Okay, cool, check yourself, Mikael. It's not good for me, alhamdulillah. And perhaps you hate something and it's good for you. Huh? It's a Quran. Asa'an takrahu shay. Asa'an tuhibbu shay. Wa huwa khayrun lakum. That to me is heavy because it takes it away from what I want, what I want, what I think, what I think. Because that's what's making me angry. That it's not, what, it's not what Mikael wanted. And you know what? Is my son in here? Okay. Because when children are small, that's when they throw tantrums. I, I, I. For real. A tantrum is all about I, I, I. But what do we do with children? We train them. We teach them. Okay. But I know and you don't. I, it's okay. Relax. I got you. I got you. How many of us are low-key throwing tantrums because we didn't get what we want? And Allah is like, I got you. I got you. I got you. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Stop being a baby. I'm not trying to patronize anyone. I'm just saying. like, That's where we need to really understand. No. Maybe this isn't good for me. So what does he say? This is so beautiful. He says, all of that, wanting wealth when God has chosen poverty for you and wanting pov uh, loving poverty when God has chosen a better state for you, all of that is running away from gratitude. Your responsibility is to be grateful. And I explained how you could be grateful in both those situations. And it shows that you don't even understand God enough. I hope today's lesson helps you understand Allah on a deeper level. Wallahi, I hope that's what we get out of tonight, that we understand on a deeper level. And he says there's one more negative consequence for those writing this down. What does he say? It's running from gratitude. It's a lack of understanding Allah. And here's the third one. It's a waste of time. Because I don't care how hard you try, you ain't going to get what God didn't write for you. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean you don't go after it. You don't. But the heart, man, the heart, the heart. Get the heart unstuck from that love. Get the heart away. Go after what you think is good. But the heart, don't let the heart stay preoccupied with what Allah has moved away from you. 
May Allah give us tawfiq. He says, وَذَلِكَ He explains now what I just broke down. He goes, وَذَلِكَ أَنَّ الْإِيمَانَ الْغَنِي لَا يُصْلِهُ هُوَ الْفَقْرِ Because the faith of the rich person would not be sound if he were poor or she. وَإِيمَانَ الْفَقِيرِ And the faith of the poor person لَا يُصْلِهُ هُوَ الْغِنَى Would not be sound if Allah had gave them wealth. كَمَا جَاءَ As has come in the hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ مِنْ عِبَادِي Indeed, there are some of my servants. مَنْ لَا يُصْلِهُ إِيمَانَهُ Their faith will not be sound if they were poor. إِلَّا uh, Except if they're poor. If I gave them wealth, they would run amok. They would just run amok. وَإِنَّ مِنْ عِبَادِي And there are some of my servants. مَنْ لَا يُصْلِهُ إِيمَانَهُ إِلَّا الْغِنَى There are some of my servants. You know what though? I hope y'all can understand and I hope you've done this already in your own mind right now as I'm speaking about this. It doesn't have to equate to money either. <laughs> I hope you are already internalizing this. He's talking about e money. Oh, there are some people, they have to have this. I give them this because this is better for their faith. It's not just about money though. There are so many aspects of life that this can apply to. Realize that inshallah, the reason Allah has given this to me is because this is what's best for my faith. This is what's best for my faith. And if I gave this person, uh, if I gave this person uh, uh, poverty, it would destroy their faith. Look what he says next, exactly what I said. He goes, You want to go deeper now? Listen to what he says. He says, this is the same case when it comes to health and sickness. Yo, everything. I, I, I don't even know, know what to call out, but every aspect of who you are, whether it's health, whether it's, it's sickness, why does Allah give this person such great health and great, you know, they have no problems and I got all these problems, I can't do this, I can't do that. He's saying similarly, perhaps, that sickness is what's keeping you a strong mu'min. I know that's hard to swallow, I feel you. I feel you. But it is deep though. Perhaps that sickness is what's making you such a strong believer. And Allah is like, I don't care about this dunya. I want you to be with me in Jannah. I want you to have strong faith. And that sickness is keeping you at a strong faith. If I gave you health, you wouldn't even walk in the masjid. If I gave you health, you wouldn't even show up. This is heavy, man. So apply this all throughout and realize that wherever Allah has put you, I'm going to strive. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going for what I think is good. But I'm going to say, inshallah, that word inshallah will take away my heart from the thing. Inshallah, I'm going to get that job. God willing, I'm going to get that job. If I don't get it, I was like, I already said inshallah, man. I literally said it before I started. Inshallah, I'm going to get better. If I don't, alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Alhamdulillah ala what does that mean in English? All praise to Allah, however the outcome is. All praise to Allah, however the outcome is. Yo, Islam takes you to a whole nother level of existence. I'm telling you, it's like you walking around like, I'm good, yo. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, they think they made you mad, you like, go ahead. I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to get there anyway. I'm telling you, it's a whole different, okay, whatever, whatever. <laughs> وَمَنْ عَرَفَ اللَّهِ لَمْ يَتَّهِمْهُ Whoever knows Allah, they don't stress out. <laughs> they don't stress out. 
وَمَنْ فَحِمَ عَنِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ بِقَضَائِهِ And whoever understands, gains an understanding from God, becomes content, here's the heavy one, becomes content with the decree of Allah. Decree. What God has judged for me, that's me. This is my lot. This is what I'm getting in life. They become content with it. Does that stop them from striving? striving? Does that stop you? Guys, does becoming content make you complacent? I don't think so. I do not think we're talking about complacency here. We are talking about striving. We are talking about trying to be the best because the prophet taught us ihsan in everything. But content is like, I'm good. I am content with what I have. But tomorrow I'm going to get up and go after it like none other. He says, this is all from the Quran. He says, If there was only one verse to summarize this whole lesson. Now this is the depth. Like, okay. So all of these durus we have, heart work, soul food, this halakha, like all these durus, you know, in Valley Ranch, all over the place. All of these durus are actually to connect us to the book of God. Real talk. It's all just to connect you to the book of Allah. He says everything we just said comes back to one verse of the Quran. One verse of the Quran. وَرَبُّكَ يَخْلُكُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارُ مَا كَانَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةِ Verse number uh, 67, 68 from Surah Al-Qasas. وَرَبُّكَ And your Lord يَخْلُكُ مَا يَشَاءُ He creates whatever He wills and chooses whatever He wills. مَا كَانَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةِ They have no say in the matter. They have no... It's all up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They, okay, okay, how does that help you? You know how that helps you? Remember last week we talked about the boat analogy? I'm seeing new faces. Can I, for those who were here last week, can I repeat the boat analogy? There's a, there's, I'm going to say it real quick. There's this uh, fisherman on a boat, and it's very foggy, and he's going down the stream on his boat, merrily, 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 right? And he sees, he, sees, he sees another boat coming towards him, and he starts yelling at the boat. Like, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Finally, the boat hits him, and he gets angry. But then when he looks in the boat, he realized there's no one there. It just got loose from the dock and it was just swaying with the water. So all of a sudden his anger subsides because there's no one to be angry at. The anger goes away because there's no one to be angry at. So, so how this verse helps me, that dude cuts you off in the, on the 635, whatever, cuts you off. It's up to Allah, yo. It's, this dude ain't do nothing to me. Like, okay, that's a small one, but there's bigger ones. My boss... My coworker Becky, she's getting on my nerves, whatever, right? Whoever, I don't know. A lot of times what makes us angry is seeing that their agency. Seeing their agency is where I'm angry because of you. But this verse is where you need to back up and be like, no, I'm not giving you that much agency. Nothing happens except by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are a test for me by the permission of Allah. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm good. So, وَرَبُّكَ يَخْرُكُ مَا يَشَاءُ وَيَخْتَارُ That's the verse of the Qur'an. Allah says in the book of Allah, وَرَبُّكَ Your Lord creates what He wills, and He chooses what He wills. This person is wealthy, this person is not. This person is middle class, this person isn't. This person is healthy, this person isn't. That's how it is. But the reason, the way we can come to terms with that is whatever God chose for me, inshallah, that's because this is what's best for me. Is what's best for me. Know that, believe it. 
And that comes back to love. Let's stop for a moment. When you put in this equation that God loves you more than anyone on this planet could love you, more than your own mother loves you, when you put that into the equation that Allah loves you, because a lot of us in this room sitting in here right now feeling like that God doesn't love me. When you put that into the equation, the whole thing changes. The whole thing changes. When my spotter doesn't pick up the weight, I know because he's looking out for me. Analogy, fahimtum, mafum, spotter, lifting weights. No, the guy over you picking up weight. Okay. Now, unless this dude hates you, leaving the weight on you because he wants to see it hit your face. But if you know this person loves you, you know the pain they're putting you through is for what? So you can look like them brothers over there in the corner. <laughs> mashallah, 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 mashallah. No, you get my point? Your spotter pushing your coach, telling you to run harder in the run club <laughs> is because they want you to reach a higher level. It's not because they hate you. So I'm serious. The love is something we really got to stop every night and realize that Allah loves you. And the Prophet spent immense time explaining to the Sahaba. Do you see this mother and her child? There was a mother. There was a war time, right? And it was like havoc. You could just picture, motion picture. You've seen war in picture movies, right? It's crazy, going crazy. There's a mother looking for her infant everywhere, right? Imagine the scene is just zooming in on her, right? And she's looking everywhere. She's going frantic. You know how it is. You lose your little sibling in the, well, yeah. <laughs> you, your parents, you lose your, your, your kid. You're like, yo, what's going on? Th those 30 seconds feel like, oh my God. So she finally finds this child. And the prophet is watching. She, she, and, and, and she scoops up this child. And she immediately begins to suckle this child. And the prophet's watching and he's like, yo, y'all. Do you think this mother would ever throw this child into a fire right in that moment of seeing that immense love? And they're like, no, look at the love. And the Sahaba's like, and the prophet goes, Allah loves you more than that. Allah loves you more than that. I want you to, okay, when I say Allah loves you, you need to put your name in there. Mikael, Allah loves you. Mikael, say it to yourself. Mikael, put your name in. Mikael, Allah loves you more than that child loves their infant. Look at the blessings he's given you. Look at everything around you. Look at the life he's given you. Put your name in there and realize like Allah's love for you is real. Why did I go into that tangent about God's love? It's because only when you realize that the one choosing for you loves you, will you have content with what they choose for you. Only when you realize that the one choosing for you loves you, will you be content with what they choose for you. Realize that Allah loves us more than anything else. So we're good. Okay, let's just do a little bit more, okay? Because this is heavy, heavy lessons, right? And it's important for us to just internalize it. Okay, let's just read a little bit more, inshallah. What should you be wary of? What should you guard yourself from? What should you be cautious of? Bismillah. He says, Wahdar, be cautious, be careful. Akhlaq al jahilin, that you start to have the character of people of ignorance. Uh, don't imitate a lot of the trends that we see being set. Very ignorant trends, very, they, they go viral doing dumb stuff. People walking up crates and stuff. That's old, I know that's old, but I'm just giving an example. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, some of y'all don't, whatever. 
don't imitate ignorant people. And it sounds like cliche. At first, if I said that normally, don't imitate ignorant people. Like, okay, say something deep. Like, okay. But look. <laughs> like, look, they're walking up crates, like hurting themselves. Don't do that. Don't imitate ignorant people. Don't have the character of ignorant people. Common sense ain't common no more. We got to, our, our dean blesses us. Wala, now this is a heavy one. We really got to understand this next one. Wala, wahdar. Be careful of sitting. Don't judge. Take your time on this one. Be careful of sitting with sinful people. Be careful of sitting with sinful people. All right, who in here hasn't sinned? So we all got to get up and get out of everyone's company. We all just get sit in the car by ourselves. Every single one of us in this room. Okay, so what does this mean for me and you? What does this mean? Okay, the way I understand it is two things. One is, oh no, two and one in, in the combined. Hopefully most of us, we feel bad or we want to feel bad. I'm going to say both of those about our sins. We feel bad or we want to feel bad. Can everyone in the room say, say at least we feel bad for sure? Or I want to feel bad about the sins that I commit. Cool. If you want to feel bad, sitting with a person that feels bad about the disobedience and not proud of the disobedience, that's the person I think is good to, okay to sit with and good to sit with. The person that feels bad, like, yo, I'm a sinner. I'm not proud of this. I'm not. Can I tell you? Wow, I got a lot of serious stories for you today, yo. Can I tell you another story about Syria? Okay, so check this. I was in this um, hostel, right? Like place where you sleep, right? Okay. So there's this uh, local guy. He's like, uh, he's work study, right? Local Syrian dude, okay? So um, he, he works, he, he cleans the place, but he also is a student. Um, so he comes down one day for breakfast, all right? It's a really humble place. Like breakfast was just like, like spices and bread, bro. Like oil, spice, bread, that's it, right? Um, he comes down, and he had just, like, trimmed up real nice, okay? Like, nice cut, you know, everything. So, you know, I'm a brand-new Muslim, right? I know a little bit of Arabic. I'm like, mashallah, anta jameel. <laughs> just just cracking, just, like, joking with him, right? You know? And, and I didn't know, because I don't know the social political stuff of Syria. So he looks at me, and he, no joke, he's not smiling, right? He's like, la, wallah, wallah anta jameel, right? He goes, la, wallah, anta jameel. Why? Why? So the government at that time, you can't rock no beard in Syria. You go missing, yo. You know what I'm talking about? This man has to trim up. If he has any type of facial hair, anything. You feel me? Y'all get my ishadas or no? Do you get my indications? Why are you trying to get all specific, bro? <laughs> it was before the war. Yeah, right before the war. Okay, so, so what happened is he's looking at me, and I'm just messing with him, like, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, he, he completely, he couldn't have no facial hair. But when he's looking at me, I was just messing with him. Like, I'm not judging, I'm just joking with the dude, right? But he's like, he got serious because in his heart, he's like, I wish I could rock that sunnah. He's like, I wish I could, but if I rock that sunnah, my mom ain't gonna see me no more. I can't. I can't. 
So what I'm saying, what I'm trying to show you is never judge. And I know we hear this all the time in our circles, alhamdulillah, but it needs to be said again. Like, you never know where someone is on their journey to Allah. And you never know how much they cry before Allah for what they're going through. You have no clue. And if there's one advice that we can give the older generation is let them come to Islam as it is. Come as they are to Islam as this is what Imam Zaid said. Be gentle with people. Be gentle with people. Because you never know what their outcome will be. The scholars, they say, Umar ibn Khattab, Umar, Umar, who's Umar? Y'all know who Umar is, right? They say Umar was loved by Allah when he was walking through Mecca and worshiping idols because of what he would become. So the point being is, first of all, we're never judging. So when it says don't sit with sinful people, you don't walk in the masjid and be like, hmm, where am I going to sit at? Astaghfirullah, yo. You need to, you need, yeah, whatever. You need to come to hard work, yo. You need to come to hard work, for real. Um, but, so what sinner? So what does this refer to then? This refers to proudness of sin and arrogance. Uh, uh, and, uh, because that makes you proud too. That makes you proud too. That makes you more courageous and audacious with your sin too. Like, oh, who cares? Now this brings me to another point. They say some of your best thoughts come when you're walking, right? And this one came when I was walking, and I really want to share this with you. No, I'm serious. Never let your obedience or disobedience be affected by a person. What do I mean? We don't do things for a person, and we don't stop doing things in spite of a person. Everything I'm doing is based on Allah. That's it. A lot of times... A lot of times, speaking for myself, there are times when I will say, I'm not going to do this thing because of that person right there. And I want them to see me not do this thing. This is about you and Allah. Take people out of this equation. Take people out of this equation. So I'm not doing it for this person, nor am I going to stop doing it for this person, nor am I going to do it in spite of a person. You feel me? Like sometimes I'm going to do it our nafs is so, so shady. Like, you, you have an aunt who you don't like. Yeah, not like, but you know what I mean, right? And you know if I get up and pray in front of her, it's going to make her hot. So you like, Allahu Akbar. You feel me? I know y'all be doing this, right? Or you have an ammu in the family. Like, he's like, oh, mutadayyan, what was he doing? You know what I'm saying? So you, you got a little bone to pick. So now, what do you do? You wrap up the scarf tight around her, like, hi, salam alaikum, right? Just, just in spite, you feel me? But it could also be the other way. Sometimes we give up actions in spite of someone. Sometimes we, we give up actions in spite of someone. Never. This is about you and Allah. About you and Allah. Nobody else. Nobody else. May Allah give us tawfiq on that. Allah give us tawfiq. That's, that's just, I just feel so many times, there's so much to say about it, but I'm just going to stop right there. May Allah give us the ability, whatever we're doing, whatever we stop doing, whatever we're doing, please just take people out of the equation. And, and be real, the way you solve this problem is the moment you're about to do it, you just ask, why? Michael, why are you doing this? Mikael, why are you doing this? And inside it's going to be like, yeah, because I'm trying to make that uncle hot right now. Okay, stop. Fix your intention. 
and I'm still going to do it. <laughs> or not do it, whatever it may be. You feel me? So understand. And, and here's another. I don't know if I could go this deep. So a lot of times what happens, this happens a lot in close relationships. Siblings, parents, that I'm going to stop doing something to make my dad upset, to make my mom upset, to make my husband upset, to make my sister upset. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Be careful. This deen is not for people. This is for Allah. Yes, sister. Uh, definitely. So the question is this going to be coming into Riyadh? 100%. Riyadh means we're doing actions for show. It's not Riyadh. So to stop an action for a person is Riyadh, just like doing an action for a person is Riyadh. You, you know what I'm saying? So they're both Riyadh. All it comes down to is the people become more important to you than Allah. And all I'm saying is, is one thing that shaitan really does to us is I'm going to use this as I'm going to stop or start an action which should be for God, for Allah, because of a person. Just be careful of that. Just really be careful and watch yourself uh, because that's not what it's about. It's about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, just a little bit more. So don't sit with sinful people. What does that mean? Again, context, you're not walking in a place judging people. It's about people who you know are very proud about what they do wrong. Why don't you want to sit, sit with them? Why? Because there is a synchronization that happens with company that we keep. You can't help but sync with people you spend time with. That's just how you are. Me and my wife, we, we ain't grow up in the same place, but people listen to but y'all talk the same. Yeah, because we've been together for how long? It just happens naturally. You start to sync with people who, you, who you're around. So a person proud about sin, I don't want to sync with that. I can't, I can't, I can't sync with that. A person that sin and, and, and is like, like me on the journey, of course, yo, we roll. We're going to help each other become better. May Allah make it easy. So never judge, but still, you know. Okay. Mu'jabin. Uh, Ajaba. Ajab is uh, when you're impressed with yourself. So he says da'awi. You know azaim, 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 da'wa, azaim. Uh, what do y'all call it? Da'wa, yeah. Azaim. Azuma. Azuma. Huh? Inviting someone over. So what he's trying to say is there's like people that are very vain. Being, being in their company can have a very negative effect on your heart. So he says be careful of those gatherings. Very, very careful of those gatherings of a very pompous red carpet, wear my best dress, da-da-da-da-da, right? Like, be careful. Just watch your heart in those gatherings. Watch your heart. Uh, we're almost done right now, inshallah. And be careful of the hope of those who are deluded. Hope is a good thing, right? But there's a type of hope which is delusional. Which is, I can do whatever I want, God's going to forgive me. No, you have to do your part and you're going to be held accountable. So be careful of that type of hope, a false hope. And, and be careful of the hopelessness of those who have lost hope in Allah. Losing hope in Allah is, is a state where it's like, oh, Allah will never forgive me. Um, and none of us should ever reach that, that, that point. Um, there are so many ahadith that talk about Allah how much he loves for us to turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back. So always, always, always have hope that Allah loves you and Allah desires for you to turn back towards him, inshallah ta'ala. 
Um, I think we can stop here, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, beautiful advice for today, mashallah. Um, I feel like these classes are getting better and better, alhamdulillah. The advice and the perspective, health, sickness, wealth, poverty, so many things we talked about today. May Allah make us of those who are content with what has been allotted to us. May Allah make us of those who with contentment never become complacent. May Allah make us of those who realize that whatever Allah has written for me, this is the best for me. May Allah make us of those who truly, truly believe that Allah loves us more than any of the creation can love any of the creation. And may Allah give us His love, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashhadu Allah ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfirik wa atubu ilayk. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.